Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, uh, if you have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and get that out. Uh, If you don't, uh, uh, feel free to use your phone or a tablet, whatever you may have. Uh, I want to encourage you, if this is your first time uh, to church, uh, maybe in a long time, or maybe your first time to church ever, uh, I want to encourage you, you can follow along with God's Word. We don't want, you may have noticed already, Impact's a little bit different of a church, and we're okay with that. Uh, The reason it may feel a little different is because we want you to feel like you were the church today, not that you went to church today. And so we actually encourage you to participate in the singing and uh, in our prayer and things like that. Uh, But one of the things also is during the the message, our teaching of God's Word. We want you to participate. A couple of ways you can do that is just following along in your copy of God's Word. It lets you underline things and circle things, although I don't recommend doing that on your phone. So you can tap things and highlight things and post things. um, But we just want to encourage you to follow along in God's Word and to take notes. And so you can take notes, whether it's on an app on your phone, or we put some note cards on your seats, or if you brought a journal or something like that. So uh, anyway, I just want to encourage you guys to do that. And turn with me to the book of 1 John, all right? 1 John, that's one John. That's not the gospel of John. Uh, That's like in the beginning of the New Testament. This is in the back of the New Testament. So this is 1 John. If you get to 2 John, just back up a little bit. You're almost there, all right? So 1 John is where you want to be. And I just say that, I'm not trying to offend you, but a lot of people, especially if it's our first time, may not know the difference. So uh, John actually wrote like four books. uh, I'm sorry, five books in our our New Testament. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the Gospel of John, and the book of Revelation. So um, anyway, so that's John. We're going to hang out in chapter two today uh, so you guys can be in chapter two. And I'll tell you what verse in a second. But I just want to kind of remind you about where we've been and kind of set the stage a little bit uh, for where we're going to be going. And so um, let me ask you guys this. Um, did, you, did anyone in our church, I'm constantly amazed at uh, maybe how sometimes boring of a church we can be, uh, but did anybody in our church uh, observe Valentine's Day this week? Anybody? Okay, I'm concerned the, the amount of men who did not raise their hands. And so I want you guys to know, I only have so many spots for counseling, okay, uh, set up. So, uh, you know, better late than never is all I'm saying. You probably get a discount at this point. So uh, head on over, get your stuff uh, that you need, um, all right. Uh, no, I, I saw there a, a few of us uh, celebrating Valentine's Day. That's actually better than I thought. Last week, I was like, who's going to watch the Super Bowl? And four people, four of you probably actually watched the Super Bowl last week. And then a few weeks before that, I was like, who makes resolutions? And everybody like scowled at me and threw their chairs and stuff. So, it's, so I'm, I'm very glad that we, <laughs> I'm just playing, but we at least like uh, a few of us celebrated Valentine's Day. I just looked up some facts about, about Valentine's Day. Now, here's what I learned. I want you guys to listen to this. Um, uh, in the U.S. this year, they estimated that 250 million roses were bought. 250 million roses. Somebody do the math real quick. How many dozens, Daryl, how many dozens roses is that? 
Exactly. A lot of dozens of roses. Exactly. Um, Listen, on Valentine's Day, our country this year is estimated to have spent $26 billion. $26 billion on Valentine's Day gifts. And don't tell my wife because I don't think we contributed too much to that that number. You know what I'm saying? But that's a a hefty, (laughs) hefty number. uh, and so that equals out to be about $200 a person, $200 a person. Isn't that crazy? Uh, we, will, we will have exchanged this year 145 million Valentine's Day cards, 145 million Valentine's Day cards, which makes me a little sad because there's like over 300 million people in our country, which means like half America did spend Valentine's Day card. So that's a little sad. But also it makes me a little concerned that people spent money on 145 million Valentine's Day cards. You know who receives the most Valentine's Day cards in our country? Teachers. <laughs> Teachers. Yeah, so... Congratulations. Hopefully there's some gift cards in those, in those Valentine's Day cards. Um, if not, just send it back. And, uh, and I would say, too, that um, uh, that, does it, that number is specifically, the stat said, does not include the children exchanging Valentine's Day cards at school. Which, can I just say for a second, this is our first year to have two kids in public school. And it's actually our first year to have a Valentine's Day party because, uh, you know, with COVID and stuff, they hadn't. And my kids were virtual for a long time. And so this is like our first year. I had no idea. I thought, man, we'll get some Valentine's Day cards. You know, it's a little card, uh, you know, to little Jake from little Brandon is good. No, these people are given like, it's like going to the grocery store. I mean, they're bringing home toys and food and oh my gosh, it, that, was a, that was crazy. Um, Americans also, this is wild, y'all, spend $750 million this year on Valentine's Day gifts for their pets. $750 million on Fluffy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That does include uh, dogs and cats, uh, to which the cat said, yeah, whatever, man. Um, the, US, the U.S. will spend $5 billion on jewelry this year, $4 billion on going out to eat. Y'all, $4 billion on going out to eat, and probably ain't none of them tipping well. Americans will give out 60 million pounds of chocolate this year. 60 million pounds. That's a lot of chocolate. And I don't know, uh, I don't know what uh, those statistics say to you. They say a few things to me that I won't use this platform to express. Um, but what I, what I know is, this is where I landed. I think it's wonderful that we dedicate a holiday to love. I do. I think it's wonderful. I don't see anything wrong with it. I'm not a stick in the mud that says, oh, you know, we should love every day. and Every day is Valentine's Day in my house. No, it's not, sir. Go get the flowers, okay? Like, it's just sometimes it's okay to have a holiday uh, centered around love, okay? That, that is okay. The, the issue for me, though, is how we are defining love. That's the issue to me. So the issue to me is not that we have a holiday for love, but it is how we are celebrating love. It is what type of love we are celebrating. And so today, what I want us to do is look into God's Word and find out, okay, God, what what type of love do you celebrate? 
And, and what, will, what will you celebrate when it comes to love? Like, like if God were to come and say, hey, Valentine's Day, not a horrible idea, but let's shift some things around a little bit and celebrate it this way. What would he have us to do? What would that look like? Because honestly, most people get ideas about love from the world, not from God. Most of our ideas when it comes to love have been formed by the world, not by God. In fact, a lot of times what we do is take the love or the type of love or the lack of love that we receive in this world and we ascribe that to God. And we say, well, if I was loved this way by this person, then that must be how God loves me. And guys, today I just want to dispel some of that. And I want us to break some of that down to shatter some of those walls and to say, no, let's just read the Bible for what it is and let's find out, man, what type of love is it that God celebrates? So if you've missed the last couple of weeks, we're week three into our series of 1 John. Uh, you can go back, listen to the podcast, watch the live stream. But basically what we talked about is believing the right things about Jesus. Okay, well, Who is Jesus? And what is the right thing to believe about him? No matter what other people say, what's the Bible say about him? Um, and so today we're going to talk about letting that belief lead us to action. And that action is love. So uh, let's open up 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 3 today. Okay, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And if you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Awesome. Let's dive in, gang. It's going to be fun. Verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Isn't that awesome? By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay, let's stop right there. That, that word he um, is said a lot in verses 5 and 6. You can circle that, that. He's talking about Jesus, okay? That word he is referring to Jesus. Um, so if you're taking notes, write this down. True followers of Jesus know, love, and obey him. True followers of Jesus know, love, and obey him. Now, I think that's important because that word love is wrapped up in knowing and obeying. You notice that? When we're talking about love and like we're truly going to love God, then there are a couple of things. Number one, we have to actually know him. And number two, we have to actually obey him. Um, I love this. There's an old preacher. Some of you, especially if you're new to church, you may not have heard of him before. Uh, he's, he's since passed away, but if you could ever listen to any of his messages, I, I, I really enjoy him. But as an old pastor, um, his name was Adrian Rogers. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him or not. But listen to this quote that he said, and I think we'll have it on the screen. He says this, Study the Bible to know about God. Obey the Bible to truly know God. Isn't that amazing? Study the Bible to know about God. Obey the Bible to truly know God. See guys, there's a difference in knowing about God and truly knowing God. But here's what you need to know. Those phrases, knowing God and loving God, are used 40 times in the book of 1 John. Like in this book, it's got five chapters, y'all. 
five in five chapters, knowing God and loving God are used 40 times each. Each. That's, that's like something where if, if it's repeated in the Bible, you should start underlining it because it's not, you're not grading a paper going, this is redundant, this is... Re-. No, he's trying to tell you something, okay? Like, in fact, in some other languages, that's how you emphasize things. You emphasize things by repeating it. You know, we, sometimes as Americans, we just get louder, right? Did you hear what I said? Right? But in, in other cultures and other languages, they'll just say, did you hear what I said? Did you hear, 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 hear what I said? Like, I'm trying to emphasize, like, this is what I want you to know. And so knowing God and loving God are emphasized in this book. See, God wants you to know that you know him. He wants you to know that. He wants you to be assured of your salvation. Like, I want you to think about how important assurance is in relationships, right? You ever had a relationship in your life, or maybe you have one now, that you never know what they think about you? And how draining that is, how insecure it makes you feel, that every time you talk to them, you wonder, do we, we got beef? Is there some drama I don't know about? Have I done something to them? Or, or maybe now, like a lot of times, it's left not in what you say, but in what you don't say, right? Like you left that text on red for a few weeks. Like you started, you, you were ghosting for a little bit and not sure what our status is because I, I reached out to you, but I haven't heard back from you. And so now next time I see you, it's a little awkward and it's awkward for you. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of like you haven't been to church in six months, you run into your pastor, you know, it's just a little, you're like, oh, hey, yeah, what's up, man? You know, it's like, it can be weird in those relationships if you don't have assurance, if you don't know where you stand. And guys, listen, in our earthly relationships, all I know is that, man, my relationship with my wife, I've been married for a little over 12 years, my relationship with my wife is so much better when I know that she loves me and she knows that I love her. Like, I don't have to, we don't have to have a fight or an argument and me stop and go, hey, you know I love you, right? Yeah, 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 I know, I know that. But let's get back, you left the dishes in the sink. You know, like, like we don't have to do that because, because we've established this assurance that we love each other. And that doesn't mean we never say it or we never affirm each other. We do, but man, relationships are so much healthier when you have an assurance. Well, guys, our relationship with God is the same way. God wants you to be assured of his love for you. Okay? God doesn't want you walking around every time you go to church wondering, am I saved? Am I not saved? Do I love God? Do I not love God? Where are we? Like in, a, in college, uh, we called it having a woo-woo. Okay? I know it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. But it's, it's an acronym that stands for what's up with us right? Having one of those conversations. Uh, yeah, I know it's kind of weird. Most people call it like a DTR, but I think woo-woo is a lot more fun to say. And so like you have those, like you should not, God doesn't want you to always have to have one of those with him. God doesn't want you to always feel like, man, I don't know where I'm at with him. I don't know the status of our relationship. I, I don't like, he wants you to be sure that you know him and he knows you. That you love him and he loves you. Because you will follow Jesus to the ends of the earth, doing what he has commanded you to, if you are sure that he loves you. 
If you are not sure that he loves you or you are not sure you love him, you will not obey his commands. And so this is so important. But then, you know, we kind of see this contradiction because um, he says up here, whoever says I know him but doesn't keep his commandments in verse 4 is a liar. I mean, that's, that's some harsh words, right? Anyone who is saying what, what John is getting at, he's like, man, as we're hanging out in church and whatnot, like, don't walk around saying, oh, I know him. Yeah, I've been a Christian. I got baptized when I was six. I've been, I grew up in church. I did all this stuff. I've been like, don't walk around talking the game. But in reality, you don't know him because you don't do what he says. Like, if you knew God, man, you would do what he says. You know Why? Because you would be sure that he would always have you. That you could always, if you knew God, you would know that he is faithful. If you knew God, you would know that he is trustworthy. If you knew God, you would know that he is holy and he is worthy of your obedience. And so he says, man, don't, we don't need to be walking around. And the Bible just, and it's not me, I just want you to hear, the Bible calls us, when we act that way, a liar. He says, you're, you're lying. You're, you're just a liar. Like that, That's your identity because you're walking around trying to put on a good show. So listen, the, the goal is not for you to just stop putting on a show, leave church, walk away. The goal is let's get right with God. Like let's get to know him. You know, like let's, let's fess up and say, hey, I know I put on a good front. I know I sing on the worship team. I know I volunteer on the kids team. I know I'm giving out coffee every week. I, I know I'm studying the Bible even. But if I'm just being honest, I don't know God. Like I don't have this relationship because we can walk with you through that. That's a, a term at impact we use called discipleship. And we can teach you and help you and walk with you through that journey. And guys, that is so much better than just walking around, putting on a front, acting like you know God when you don't know God. And I love, he says, but he gives us a contrast in verse 5, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And that word perfected just means that as you walk in obedience to God, your love for him will grow. That's what it means. It means it is a process. It doesn't mean you are going to love him perfectly. It means that over time, as you obey his commands and do what he's telling you to do, your love for him will grow. So, (laughs) the question for us then becomes, like if you look up in verse 6, he says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Even even in verse 5 at the end, he says, by this we know that we're in him, is if we're abiding in him. So if you're here today and you go, Brandon, I, I do want that assurance, but sometimes I doubt, sometimes I wonder, sometimes I, I don't know where I am with my relationship with God because I'll feel it and I'll come to church and I'll get so excited and then I just slip right back in to the same sin. And, and listen, guys, here's what the Bible would say. The Bible would tell us that... Um, we, if we abide in him, then we ought to walk the way he walks. When's the last time somebody confused you for Jesus? Because that word walk means live. To walk like him means to live like him. And guys, a lot of times we like the aesthetics of Jesus, but we don't always like to live like Jesus. You know what I'm saying? We enjoy the aesthetics of Jesus. 
the Bible, the hope, the religious terminology, the church, the worship music, you know, the whole stuff that goes on with it. But we're not always into actually living like him. But guys, that's our litmus test. And that word, we ought to do that, is a strong. It's like, man, we have an obligation, if we love him, to live like him. Like the two things go together. Um, For example, like today, today uh, we're having a membership class for Impact Church. And, you know, like what I've realized over the years, a lot of people in in the membership class, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about why we even have membership and where you can find church membership in the Bible and what membership is. And so I won't get into all of that today, but let me tell you the main reason why we have church membership. We have church membership because we need to be able to know and figure out who actually loves Jesus, who actually is following Jesus, and who is not. Because if you're not following Jesus, like that's, that's okay. That's where you're at. And we'll meet you where you're at. Like that's okay. It's just joining a church may not be your next step. Guys, I've been a part of so many churches where there are people in leadership of the church, like making decisions for the church, and they have no relationship with God. They've been going to church there since maybe they grew up in that church, maybe they just have a lot of money, maybe they have a lot of influence, maybe they've got a lot of degrees, maybe they work high up at the Pentagon, and so somewhere along the way someone said, you know who could do that job? That person could do the job. And so they put them in leadership in churches, and they have no relationship with God. Well, guys, if we don't have a relationship with God, we're not going to bear any fruit. This church is going to accomplish nothing. And so the reason we do membership is to say, hey, there is a difference in knowing God and just knowing about God. And we desperately want you to be in relationship with God. And so I hope you guys see that. All right, let's, let's dive in. Let's keep reading. Let's pick up in uh, verse 7. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. You guys having fun yet? Okay, three of us. That's good. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. Okay, verse 7. He says, beloved. All right, let's stop right there. You know something's about to go down. Mm-hmm. anybody comes to you, grabs you by the arm, puts their arm on your shoulder and says, beloved, they're about to drop a bomb. That's what's going down, all right? Anybody in the South, we would just call that honey, honey. Okay, okay, that's when you know you got something going on. So John looks at him and says, beloved. And here's why I think he does that, because what he just said was hard. Did anybody else feel that? Like what we just talked about, about knowing God, was kind of hard. Hard to listen to, hard to grasp, being called potentially a liar. Like, that's hard. And so John comes back around and he says, beloved, listen to me. And he's not like, you know, you would be like in the South or the way we are when we're sarcastic, you know, like, all right, beloved. No, he's not doing that. He's genuine. No, you are beloved. I love you so much. And that's why I'm telling you this. See, guys, this is how we mix telling the truth with love. Not just calling someone beloved, but but being able to truly love them and walk with them and say, I know what I just said was hard, but listen to what I'm talking about. So verse 7, beloved, so in other words, everything's going to be okay, all right? I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. Now, you need to understand that we're from the beginning. This is about 50 years after Jesus resurrected, okay? So now we've got, 
grandchildren being born who've never known Jesus, okay? Like, did not physically see him or, or be with him. And so he says, this is an old commandment you heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard, verse 8. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and true light is already shining. Verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But, verse 11, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So if you're taking notes, write this down. True followers of Jesus love one another and live in the light. True followers of Jesus, man, they love one another, and they live in the light. This is really important because John is reminding them of the basics. Hey guys, you've heard this from the beginning. In fact, this commandment to love each other goes all the way back to Leviticus chapter 19. Okay, and then Leviticus 19, God says, man, you people need to love each other, all right? Love the Lord with all your heart, love each other. Then it goes into the Ten Commandments. Moses affirms it, and, you know, half of the Ten Commandments are all about loving each other. Don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. Like, those are all about our relationship with each other. Then Jesus comes on the scene thousands of years later and affirms that and says, absolutely, um, you should love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor just the way you love yourself. So this commandment is, is old. It goes back, but it is foundational. Guys, this issue of loving each other, all right? So it's, it's old, but at the same time, it's new because Jesus gives us a new understanding that we actually need supernatural power to be able to love this way. Anybody else have people in your life that it's going to take some supernatural power to love them well? Yeah, don't look at each other. Just nod your head. They'll see you. They'll see you. Okay. Guys, if, if people are saying that they're followers of Jesus, but they hate their brother or sister, they are in darkness. It's just what it says. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, but you always have a rift, there's always drama. You, have, you know what one of the most dangerous lines to tread on this is? Well, I just put up some healthy boundaries. Okay, that's great. So let's make sure those healthy boundaries came from here. Because there is such a thing as a healthy boundary. Okay, it's in, but they need to come from here. Not a healthy, a healthy boundary is not, I just don't like them. I don't enjoy them. They are not like me. They are not life-giving. How many life-giving people did Jesus hang out with? Now, he ended up giving his life for the whole world because he couldn't find anybody. <laughs> okay, so guys, we need to be really careful when we use these terms. Like we're just setting boundaries to go, okay, what is a healthy boundary according to God's Word? How can we do that in the, in the light? Okay, and that's the other thing is, is it in the light? That's what 1 John says is, are those boundaries being lived out in the light? Are they in the context of community? Is there a restoration plan? 
<laughs> like, how do I get to a point where there's not a boundary? Like, what would that have to look like? Most of the time, we're just setting boundaries, and it's like that old infomercial. We just set it, and everybody over 40 knew what I was talking about. Who stayed up past 2 a.m.? That's exactly right. You set it and forget it. And that's the way we treat boundaries. But guys, that's not the way Jesus treated boundaries. He did it. We do it in the light, guys. We do it in the context of community, and we give them a way out. Hey, in order for this boundary to be removed, these are the, th- this is how we're going to play. This is what this relationship looks like to be healthy, okay? And then you leave the burden on them to be able to fulfill that. And so, guys, we've got to be careful because if we're walking around saying we follow Jesus, but there's always rifts between us and our brothers and sisters, the Bible actually says we're, we're in darkness, we're not in light. Verse 8 says this love is true in Him. And again, that word Him is Jesus. So this is our standard of love. If love is true in Jesus... Okay, that phrase, true in Jesus. You guys see that on the screen? If that true in Jesus, then what do we learn about the standard of love? We learn that it's the gospel. We learn that our standard of love is Jesus' standard of love. That Jesus, he was fully God. He had every right to go, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't doing this. Let them find their own way out. I didn't do that to them. They did it to themselves. I didn't cause them to sin. They chose to sin. But Jesus did none of that. You know what Jesus did? Jesus did this one word that I think is the hardest word when we're talking about love. Are you ready for it? Because you're going you're gonna to cringe and then you can write it down. That love is selfless. It's selfless. And that goes against every fiber I'm created with. Because it's all about me. (laughs) What makes me feel good? What makes me happy? You learn really quick in relationships that if you want them to be healthy, there has to be some some mutualness to it. Okay? And and that's our standard is that Jesus was selfless. Our standard is that, um, think about this, Jesus died for us without us reciprocating his love. You ever think about that? Jesus gave up his life on the cross for us and died and took on all of our sin before we ever had a chance to reciprocate that love. I can remember when my kids were little. Um, I mean, they still are little comparatively. But I'm talking like baby. And I'd, I'd be up, I'd be changing that diaper. And I'm like, man, you owe me so big. I'm already thinking about all the things I'm going to cash in. I'm like, I'm going to make you change my diaper one day. Like, we're going to do this. Like, man, I'm just, I'm doing all this, you know. And then I get to a point where I just hit a wall and I'm like, man, when are they going to be able to tell me they love me? You know what I'm saying? Like, when are they going to be able to actually like, you know, when I hug them, hug me back and begin to reciprocate this? Well, guys, Jesus gave up his life and showed his love with no reciprocation. And guys, that's one thing we learn about love is not only is God's love selfless and our love should be selfless, but it was given whether there's reciprocation or not. Guys, if you're only loving people who can love you in return, your love is not gospel-centered. 
Your love is self-centered. The other thing we see about Jesus' love is that he loved regardless of life circumstances. He loved people, he loved a woman caught in adultery. He loved a tax-collecting thief. Um, He loved disciples who just never could get it. He loved the one that betrayed him in his inner circle. Like Jesus loved regardless of people's life circumstances. But can I just be honest? Some people are in certain life circumstances that make it hard to love them, right? Maybe they always need a ride somewhere. And you go, man, this is really exhausting to do this. Right? Maybe, um, maybe they're in an unhoused situation where they don't have a place to live. And so their life is a little disheveled at the moment. Could you imagine being displaced? And how that would not just cause you not to have a place to live, but dishovel your entire life? Okay? Like there are people that, that have just immigrated here, that have only been in Fredericksburg in America for two months. Right? We have some of them coming to our, our ESL ministry on Sunday nights. And could you imagine the the worry, the anxiety, the fear that they may have and how that impacts their entire life. Guys, God loved us regardless of our life circumstances. So if our love is dependent on someone having it all together, then our love is not gospel-centered. And we, God loves even... Aren't you glad God loves you when you are not easy to love? You ever have a moment, even on earth, that you know you're not easy to love? If not, come find. I'll let you know. No, I'm just playing. But there are times, even in my relationship with my wife, with Ellen, where I'm going, babe, I know, like I know that I'm being crazy right now. So thank you so much for putting up with me. And she's like, yeah, no, I love you, babe. No problem. You got 24 hours. <laughs> that's, that's mercy right there. And so, guys, but God loved us even when we were not easy to love. And so when we love others who are not easy to love, our love is centered on the gospel. But if, we, if we're not loving each other, listen to what the Bible says about us. We are in darkness, we walk in darkness, we don't know where we're going, and we're blind. Guys, that describes everyone in the church who does not walk in love. If, you are, if we are not loving each other, We are in darkness, we walk in darkness, we don't know where we're going, and we're blind. We're like a blind person in a dark room, not knowing where we're going, dead on the inside. That's what the Bible describes people who don't love each other. And to be very frank with you, herein lies why so many churches are dying in our country. A lot of people try to water this down. They say things like, well, I don't hate anybody. The Bible said, if I hate my brother, I don't hate anybody. Maybe I just dislike them. So let me say a couple of things. Number one, that's okay. It is okay to not like every single person you go to church with. That's okay. Because you not liking them and them being different from you, but you loving them anyway is going to sanctify you. It's going to make you more like Jesus. Okay? Because if you only surround yourself by people who are easy to love, that you like and enjoy, you will never grow. And so it is okay that you don't like or prefer everybody you go to church with. In fact, that would, you know what that would tell me if that happened? That we were more of a country club than a church. That's what it would tell me. 
If you went to church and, and everybody was like you and everybody liked the same things as you and everybody was just looked like you and dressed like you and acted like you and lived like you, then you might be in a country club, not a church. Guys, a church is made up of people from every nation, language, and tribe. And so there are going to be obvious differences in us. And that's okay. So it is okay that you don't like every single person that you go to church with, but you have to love them. Like that is a commandment in Scripture. That is not just a commandment, but it is a sign and a test of whether or not you are abiding in Jesus. The second thing I will say is be really careful by saying, I don't hate anybody, there's just some people I don't like. Be careful saying that, because God knows your heart. I don't. So you can get away with telling that to me. And I may go, eh, okay. (laughs) But God knows. And guys, that should be enough for us to take a second glance and go, wait a minute, do I hate them? Because it started with, I just didn't like them. Then they did some things, and that grew to resentment. And then that resentment grew to bitterness. And then that bitterness started looking a little bit like hate. And it's a slow roll, guys. You don't just meet someone and go, I hate them. But what you do is you allow that resentment to grow. And that resentment grows into bitterness, and that bitterness grows into hate. So God knows you got to be careful. Um, This verse, John 13, 35, Jesus says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't that amazing? By this the whole world will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. He didn't say the whole world's going to know that Jesus is alive because of your right theology. Isn't that amazing? He didn't say, if you can only focus on one thing, make sure that your your theology, your orthodoxy, make sure it is all perfect and pristine. He didn't say, by this the whole world will know that you are my disciples and Jesus is true by the size of your building. And man, I'm glad because we ain't even got one. So I'm glad. I mean, he didn't say that. He didn't say, by this, everyone will know you're my disciple if you do good things. He didn't say that. He said, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love each other. That someone can walk in the room and say, I saw people from different backgrounds, different nations, speaking different languages, different age groups, different everything, different jobs, different economic classes, and they were all in the same room on a random Sunday morning praising the same God. That God must be real. Because who else could make that happen? All right, let's finish up. John chapter 2, verse 12. John chapter 2, verse 12 says this. John says, I'm writing to you, little children, (laughs) because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, Because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. And I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Isn't that beautiful? We're going to come back to that. So do not love the world 
or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father. It is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. If you're taking notes, write this down. True followers of Jesus love God more than they love the world. True followers of Jesus love God more than they love the world. Now, I want you to notice up here, we've got this interesting thing going on because John is writing and he's going back and forth, right? He's like, hey, little children, I wanna, I'm writing to you to tell you this. And hey, young men, I'm writing to you to tell you this. Hey, fathers, I'm writing to you to tell you this. Now, I want to say a couple of things. One, ladies, don't feel left out. That's just the way they wrote back then, all right? Um, and it was expected that they were going to, to share with you. So for our sake, we say, you know, uh, men and women, all right, is, is written to. And John is writing, but don't you love how he's writing to three generations, right? Maybe his age, his children, and his children's children. The core values of this church was going to be that we wanted to be multi-generational. We wanted to be a church where everybody, no matter what your age group, felt welcomed and loved and appreciated. And sometimes that has looked different, right? But that's everyone. That's everyone in this room. That's everyone in that room in our kids' ministry. Like one of the reasons that we hired our first full-time staff member was a, a kids' leader is simply because we want, to, want you to know generations matter. Like that generation matters to us. But every generation, we want to be multi-generational. We get this from the Scriptures because, uh, man, we've got people in this church, though. And I don't think John is just talking by your age group. I think he's talking spiritually, too. I think he's saying those of you who are spiritual children, those of you who are spiritual young adults, those of you who are spiritual fathers, listen. And guys, at this church, we're so blessed because we have that, too. We have some of you who've been following Jesus for 20 plus years. We need you at this church. We need you. We need your wisdom. We need your love. We need your stability, your spiritual stability, your consistency. Sometimes, man, just to have someone who's been following Jesus longer than me to look me in the eye as a pastor and say, Brandon, everything's going to be okay, means so much more sometimes than someone who has not been following Jesus for a long time. We need you. For those of you who have been following Jesus for 10 years, right? You've been following Jesus for a while, but you're also just kind of getting started. We need you at this church. We, we need your, your fervency. We need your knowledge. We need your maturity. Like, we need you here. And for those of you who are here, who you go, Brandon, I actually, I've just been following Jesus for about two months. Or maybe you just gave your life to Jesus last week. We need you here. We need your energy. We need your zeal. We need your excitement. We need your hotness for Christ. Like, we need that in this church. Well, he tells them these three things. He tells them, and this is what I would tell you, because here's the deal. Like so many of us, we're here and we're going, okay, Brandon, this has been challenging. You started off with, I got to love God. <laughs> and if I'm walking around saying I love God, but I don't obey him, I'm a liar. And Brandon, I'm going to be honest, that was a, a big pill to swallow. And I completely understand. That is hard. And then we come over here and you go, and now, Brandon, you're telling me that I got to love each other, especially people who are different from me. And that was hard. And I would say, yes, I know. 
And now you're telling me not to love the world. (laughs) That, That the things of this world are not worthy for me to love more than God. And that is hard. And I would say, yes, this is all very hard. So how do you do it? Well, you do it based on this encouragement. Number one, he tells them your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You're walking around completely under grace, and all of your sins have been forgiven. Isn't that amazing? Like if you trust in Jesus, all the bad things of your past have been wiped clean. Every bad thought, every secret that you kept for so long has been forgotten and cleared out through the blood of Jesus Christ. Like you have been forgiven. Second thing, he says, you can know God. Guys, you can know God. He is not some uber being in the universe going, well, I you know, hope you figure it out. You know, he's not some escape room that's going to blow up on you if you wait. Like, hey, that's not who God is. God wants to be known by you. We know him, right, by, by his word abiding in us, by reading the word, by having a relationship with him every day. And, and so the third thing is, is we... We do this by knowing we have overcome by the power of God. Man, we have completely overcome. Like Satan is trying to accuse us all the time to make us feel guilty, to make us feel shameful, to tell us we don't have a relationship with God, that we should doubt our relationship with God, that we're not good enough, that other people don't love us. Like he is constantly trying to, trying to flood your heart and your mind with guilt and with shame and with insecurity. But the Bible says you can overcome by the power of God that is inside of you. you got to get into the power of God. Okay, It is the power of the gospel, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Church, it is in us. And we got to walk that way. we got to live that way and denounce those insecurities and denounce those things. Guys, because once we know who we are, Once we know these things are true in our life, that we have been forgiven, that we want to know God, and we can overcome by His strength and His strength alone, now we are compelled that we can love God. Now we are compelled that we can love each other. Now we are compelled that we can love God more than the things of this world. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come up. And as they do, I just want to mention, he kind of ends this section, you know, Love God, love each other, and then he tells us someone not to love. Isn't that interesting? Love God, love others, but don't love this. And the word he uses is the world. He says, don't love the world. Now, when he says that, he's not talking about the earth, okay? It's not like, you know, oh, good, I don't have to recycle anymore. Like, he's not talking about don't love planet earth. And when he says world, he's not even talking about the culture, okay? Because we are called to invade the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's not even talking about that. Here's what he's talking about. When John says, don't love the world, he says, don't look at things from the world's perspective. See, guys, the world tells us so many things that are contrary to God's word. And for many of us, the one thing that's holding us back from loving God and loving other people is we love this world more than we love God. So much so that we've let this world become the lens in which we view everything else. We've allowed our political views to dictate what we think about everything. We've allowed our pasts, 
We've allowed our own experiences to dictate how we look at everything. We've allowed commercials and media and TV and what some dude said on a podcast or some girl said on TikTok. We've allowed those things to dictate our perspective on how to live. And John writes and says, church, stop it. Stop loving those things more than you love the word of God. Because think about it. Think about what the world tells us. I mean, the world tells us, hey, focus on yourself. But God tells us, focus on him. The world tells you, make as much money as possible. Jesus tells you, give it all away. The world tells you, live comfortably. And Jesus tells you, it's not about your comfort, it's about the reward that is to come. The world tells you, go out and make a name for yourself. And Jesus tells you to make his name great among the nations. The world tells you, do whatever makes you happy. And Jesus tells you, please only God. The world tells you, center your life around your kids and teach them to love themselves. And Jesus tells you, teach your children to love and obey me alone. The world tells you, make your appearance an idol. And and the way you look at social media. And Jesus tells you, your body is the holy temple that his presence lives. And to focus on inner beauty. The world tells you to serve when it's convenient for you. And Jesus tells you to pick up your cross because serving will often be uncomfortable and inconvenient. The world tells you marriage exists to make you happy and to complete you. But Jesus tells you marriage is a gift only to advance the gospel. The world tells you to be powerful and self-made. And Jesus tells you to always put others before yourself. The world tells you keep gaining knowledge, get more degrees, and earn more money. And Jesus tells you the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And knowing Him is the start to knowledge. The world tells you to stay up with fashion trends and keep your Pinterest boards up. And Jesus tells you, don't worry about what you're going to wear. The world is passing away, but the word of God remains forever. Church, we have to love God more than the things of this world. The world is selling you a cheap lifestyle that's going to pass away. And God sells you an eternity. He doesn't even sell it to you. He gives it to you as a free gift of an eternity in His presence with Him being utterly satisfied by Him alone. Church, stop buying the cheap stuff and go all in to following Jesus. So I want to ask you three questions today. Number one, do you need to love God more? Is there anything in your life that tells you, man, I need to love Him more? Number two, Is there someone you need to pray today and ask God to strengthen your love for them? Because they've been hard for you to love. And number three, is there something or someone that you need to love less so that your love for God can grow? Let's pray together. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at.
Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.